Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of the Analytics FC Podcast, where today I am joined by none other than Jeremy Steele, if you want to introduce yourself. Hello. Yo. And also, a very special guest, the Head of Scouting and Match Analysis at the German Football Association, Christopher Clemens. Christopher, how are you doing? Not too bad. Hello. We are we are genuinely extremely excited to have you. Uh, the, the reviews from other people about you are, are fantastic. We're very excited to discuss. So, firstly, getting into it, what is your role at the German FA? Uh, in the German FA, well, when we get a back, bit back from the history, um, the the Department of Scouting and Match Analysis was not really established in the, in the last years. Uh, so first of all, the, the first step was to establish an own department inside the federation uh, with people just working for 100% for the federation. Uh, so mainly my role is to, to, to lead the department, establish the structure and break it also down to the, to the youth teams and the 15 teams. That's of course one part of my job and the other part of my job, which is... Uh, which is uh, just uh, with the history of now for about 10 years is being the, the chief analyst of the German men's national team, um, working together with, uh, with Jürgen Klinsmann in the beginning and then later on with Yogi Löw until now and uh, being responsible for all matters when it comes to match analysis and scouting for the national team. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of work. Um, how, did, how did you get into that? What's your uh, background, both um, in football before you joined the German national team, um, but also before you joined football? Actually, there the, the biggest challenge is that there's no, at least in Germany, there was no real education for for being a scout, being a match analyst. So it was more or less um, um, a kind of evolution from the from the sports science departments of the big universities. So I was a regular student of sports science. Uh, at a university in Germany and was very familiar with football as our own football player in, in the past and uh, uh, working generally also as a coach for, for some youth teams. Um, the, the biggest change actually in the, in the, in the deception of, of being an analyst was working with the Norwegian football team. Uh, when I had my, my uh, one year in Norway, when I studied in Norway, and uh, then I got in contact with uh, with the first match analyzer systems, which uh, were used by the Norwegian Football Federation. And so I transferred it um, just to Germany um, to to build up um, a department and uh, to build up um, a kind of company, which is uh, which is doing consultancy and also uh, doing. Um, doing the implementation of modern analyzer systems into German football clubs. And from that point, the, the German FA actually asked me in 2005 if uh, I would do the, the implementation and I would do the structuring of the, of the German FA. Uh, and uh, so it was probably on the one side a commercial thing, but on the other side a football development thing, uh, which led me to get into contact with the, with the men's national team. And um, one big part in uh, in the whole process is, of course, the confidence of the coaches, which just uh, handed over a lot of responsibility into my hands uh, to uh, create a kind of structure in German football, uh, which which means in the end that um, building up or uh, developing 
um, certain departments for different clubs. I also worked for a, for a football club uh, in Germany and trying to establish different uh, different departments and different clubs uh, to yeah just help to help to raise the level of match analyzers and scouting into the clubs. And uh, since that became more and more a bigger um, aspect in the in the world of uh, of the German FA. Finally, they asked me to to do it not as a consultant or not from the from the outside, but doing it more from the inside to to direct everything. So um, yeah, okay. it's a it's, it's a long way, and it's a quite a, quite funny to to see from from when you look back from where I started. But uh, it's it's mainly it's mainly um, um, a thing which started from the demands of the coaches stuff to mm. put the analytical part into the hands of one expert. <laughs> and then a few years later, you win the World Cup. It's not a bad joke. Uh, yeah, well, at least we at least we, <laughs> we, we 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 not prevented the players from winning it. So that is uh, what we always uh, <laughs> what we always do. Now, actually, this is uh, this is a fantastic story to see. Um, if you if you stay consistent in the coaching stuff, if you stay consistent in what you're doing, that in the end there's a good chance to get up to the to the top. Uh, of course, we all know that this is uh, this is not only about planning; it's uh, about many many aspects which lead you to 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 win a championship. But uh, the we, we raised the chances in the last years to get so far, and this is probably something which is uh, which gives us a lot of energy and a lot of motivation to proceed with that for the future. So before you were coming from the outside, how open were clubs to you uh, helping them implement a, a structure? Now you're on the inside with the with the German FA. Is that um, is that something that all clubs are open to to be helped in that department? Is there coach edu- um, sort of analyst education, if you will, to help those analysts to become better at their jobs? How do you how do you get that structure into the into the clubs? Well, actually, it was from from uh, from from the beginning. There there were not many companies in Germany, actually, or not many people um, really driving with the with the with the analytical aspect of the game. So that is uh, probably something where where Germany was a bit behind, probably like in England or like in like maybe in Italy or Spain, actually. Um, but uh, but the, the 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 will and the demand for 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 learning fast and growing fast was very high. So that was probably the the, the biggest advantage that the, the the coaches and especially the the um, the people in the club understood that there's a high potential in it uh, to really improve the development of players and to develop and the development of the structure in the club. So um, the scientific approach became a really important part of any of any club. And so analytical, the analytical aspect or the, the analysis part uh, became more and more important. So in the beginning, it, w- it was, was very tough uh, because then it was more the question whether we do it or not. Uh, but it has changed totally to the aspect uh, whether we do it with this company or with that company. And now I, I would say now we are in the, in the, in the, in the area or what, now we are in the stage whether people say uh, whether we want to do it uh, with three or four people and with a strategy behind it, or rather on a short-term, uh, short-term aspect. There's a very, very open-minded uh, thinking or very open-minded opinion in the football clubs to to understand and to see that the structures which we are building up are really helpful for their organization as well. In terms of obviously tournament success, obviously Germany have had massive tournament success over the um, over the past few years. Obviously, most recently World Cup winners, and then of course the 
um, the women's team winning gold at the the Olympics. Um, how do you how do you approach tournaments? Do you do, do you approach tournaments differently from a normal qualifier or a friendly um, in terms of the opposition analysis? Um, do you help the, the the coaches to kind of build a game plan that's that's different to that, or is it very similar uh, every game that you come to? I would say actually, um, if we if we think about how we approach the the um, the tournaments differently from 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 a qualifier. Uh, probably the first thing we have to speak about is a bit about the role of the analysts. And I think this is something which really has, has improved and evolved in the last years because, um, actually the, the, the role of the analyst is a bit different from, from, from the point where, where I started and where everybody else started. Uh, in the beginning, it was more or less a, a video cutter, which uh, helped the coach to find out and select the right sequences. Um, and, and the role has totally changed in the way that uh, the analysts, especially the FA, are rather a part of the coaching staff than a, a, a real analyst. So um, for speaking about me, it means um, we are involved in, I would say, all the strategic uh, planning and all the strategic uh, uh, thoughts from the coaching staff and also are really, really demanded to, uh, to, to help the coach to create a strategy create a match plan and also think about what what is coming out in the future and what what will be the next challenges in two three four five years this is uh, this is probably where the role has totally changed which means in the end that um we, i wouldn't say that there is a the world cup or a european championship is just a, um it's just the goal for our development it's just one step in our on our road and that has changed maybe a bit from the from the past years. 2006, 2008, we were very much focused on working with the team to perform best at the at the European Championships or at the World Cup. But I would say, especially with 2010, overall the idea of developing the football and developing our players in a manner that we play modern football and that we develop our our game um, is always a step which has a certain um, highlight at a tournament, but which is not over when the tournament is finished. So um, actually, we have established a kind of long-term plan, uh, trying to follow and trying to adjust it with every um, with every new innovational aspect we have seen in the world. And uh, probably we want to be best at the tournament, of course, but uh, the whole whole year or the whole process, including a tournament, is a is a is a I would say a long term aspect. Um, so that means we probably we will use a bit more manpower. We will use a bit more um, a bit more uh, energy in preparing our opponent at the tournament uh, because probably if you lose three matches, then you will be out of the tournament. But the idea on football and the strategy on how we support our coaching staff is nearly the same when we work on a qualifier and when we work on a tournament. Because during a tournament, we know that also the team will develop during maybe three, four or six weeks of being together. And it's just part of the process and part of the development. And if we do it well, in the end, we will be hopefully successfully. But if we just put everything on winning a tournament... It's very hard to keep the development or uh, put everything on winning the tournament. Sorry, uh, it's very hard to keep the development uh, in the right lane, and that is probably where where I wouldn't really 
make a big decision or make a big uh, uh, separation between um, preparing for a qualifier or preparing for a tournament. Usually, of course, a semi-final or final in tournament uh, is something special. And of course, we will use all the possibilities we have. But when it comes for about 90% of the matches, we pretty much do it the same way. I was going to say, your, your, your answer probably answers my, my next question, Christopher, which was going to be about, would you, if you were to analyze the, the opponents that you've got in the upcoming tournament that you're playing in, uh, would you ever look at their strengths, weaknesses, and then select players based on those opponents? I suppose potentially what you're saying is with the long-term aspect that potentially you wouldn't do that. You'd, you'd look beyond just the next you know, three, four, five games. Yeah, no, but but you're 100% right because uh, this is exactly the our approach. Um, of course, we try in the end. And everything what we're doing in the FA when it comes from the under 15 up to the senior A team is in the end we want to have the best 23 players when we when we are in the tournament. That's that's where everybody is committed to, and that means if the under 15 coach is not doing his job properly, we will get a problem with the A senior team in the in the long term aspect because probably we will not have the best 23 players. Um, that that's more or less what, 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 how we are thinking, which which means in the end that um, that we try to develop the players so good and so efficient that uh, they are in the position to to fulfill all the aspects and to fulfill all the demands and all the tasks we we will or the challenges which we give them during during a tournament and during the development. But um, and this is also kind of evolution. I would say in 2006, 2008, we were very much focused on what the opponent is doing. And, uh, but this has totally changed because not, not in a certain way of arrogancy, but especially in the way of that we have to, um, we have to stick to the, um, to the challenges the opponent is doing to us. And mainly the challenge is that the opponent will in nine of 10, uh, nine of 10 matches, uh, the opponent will defend with 11 players. So we have to think very much about our our challenges and our development of of, of our style of play, uh, and and less of the opponent. Of course, we take into consideration certain strengths or weaknesses of the opponent. But for us, it's more like a toolbox which we try to develop over the last ten years. Uh, and if we are very good and if we are very efficient, um, all the players and all the whole team technically uh, has has a whole uh, has a whole toolbox. We can use them. And then our work is more or less to understand what is the main, the main key from our toolbox which we have to use in this match based on our idea on football. And that is probably how we, how we select also our players. Because um, certainly maybe one player has a certain strength which is, which is especially in that match or in that entire match could be, could be a really uh, um, a good help for us. But overall, the idea on our style of play is, is the thing which decides whether we select the players and whether we, we have our tactics or not. And not this player is maybe faster than the other one. This is something which we are not taking into consideration uh, very carefully. So you've 
mentioned implicitly over the last few answers that uh, there are, of course, very few games at international level. When you're playing as a, when you're part of a club environment, you can look at the last 30 games um, and analyse teams, and that's much more difficult in international level. And I've also seen you quoted in an interview uh, talking about the fact that you tend to analyse teams for three games and uh, think that you get a, uh, basically all the information you need uh, from that. Uh, so I want to ask if that's the case and what you what you think you do and don't pick up in three games. So as, as stats people, we're naturally um, sceptical to uh, stuff that happens over a few games because it might be that like a certain set piece routine just happens and then it, it goes or it might be that that team played particularly differently for a game or two. Um, how do you cope with that problem of opposition uh, teams playing so few games when you're analyzing them. Uh, actually, we 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 try to um, to take it serious, and of course, we we analyzing as many games as possible because we I think it's uh, uh, we will speak later on about this probably what uh, our scouting team, uh, especially from Cologne, is doing with us and uh, and how we have tra- structured our department. Uh, I think this is um, this is something which is uh, which is naturally that we will get as much information and as much uh, content together to 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 filter it for the right two or three sentences or uh, two or three messages which we have to deliver to the coaching staff um which means of course we 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 we, we try to collect as much information as possible but one big challenge is for example it's it's a totally different thing if if we have to uh, prepare on northern ireland for example, which is one of our last opponents. And if we see Northern Ireland playing San Marino two times and then Northern Ireland plays against us, it's a totally different setup. Yeah. And, it, 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 yeah. and, and this is, for example, something which we are, as, uh, which we are taking, uh, taking into consideration that for us it's most important to see the best teams with a, with a similar idea on, on, uh, on ball possession football. Mm. Um, to to have the opponents playing like that. For example, I think in in, in November is uh, is England against Spain. It's for us a great match to observe anyway because we are observing as many matches as well during the whole period of the year because we want to understand what is happening in all the other federations. So uh, we will we are watching. I would say on the, in an international week of football. I would say six to ten matches anyway, and observe them with the best teams to understand how they develop and how they, what is their, what is their, uh, or what are their challenges and how do they solve that. Um, but for us, it's, it's it's probably most exciting to see uh, Belgium playing, Portugal, France, Italy, England, Spain playing because they have the same challenges. And if, for example, uh, Northern Ireland is playing England, is for us it's great because England is probably the team which maybe dominating a bit more and uh, and we can learn from that but if we watch northern ireland playing against uh, against azerbaijan or it's playing against uh, against uh, san marino it is very difficult for us to get a real conclusion on how we should play against them so which means this is a challenge definitely for us which but what means on the other hand we have to focus much more on our game and if we're doing it quite well probably and hopefully it doesn't matter really what the opponent is doing or at least not in that high uh, high amount of, of percentage, which is important for for if we uh, if we succeed or if we fail. Um, but um, the the challenge is to find the right matches to watch too, because uh, if you if you are a Premier League club and if you are Man City, for example, 
you can watch uh, you can watch uh, a lot of matches and if but if you prepare um probably uh, Sunderland against Southampton and you play Sunderland or you play Southampton it will be difficult or different than when Sunderland or Southampton is playing you so that is uh, that is the same challenge that they have but you had of course the amount of 30 matches which will give you the chance to find some patterns just going back to the 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 selection of players really rather than the than the the analysis of the game we we, we noticed that during the Euro 2016 you had a starting 11 which for the majority of games was was the was exactly in line with research uh, about kind of peak age uh, for players in terms of performance um, however when we looked at your squad as a whole it was one of the youngest in the tournament um, is that something that as a as a national team you do on purpose is it a way to give players uh, experience of tournament football or is it just total coincidence that the best 24 or 25 players in the country were with those ages uh i think it's it's a bit of both but but generally um when you when you when you think about the 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 2014 team we are just convinced that um um to be a successful team you need a three generation start or you need a three generation team which means we have the old ones like Philip Lahm, Per Mertesacker, Miro Klose, which are the experienced ones. Then you have the probably the, the players who are uh, just at or just shortly before the peak, like like at that time Mats Hummels and, and Jerome Boateng. And then you need the young ones who just need to get experience because you will need them in two, three, four years, maybe already in one year. Right. So for us, it's always important to have a kind of clear structure inside uh, inside a team um, because um, if, if they are good enough and in the end that is what is all this what is the the, the only quality level or what is the only quality mark uh, which we are which we are considering uh, because if they are good enough and if they are really strong and they are 18 19 they will play but um, also thinking about the long-term aspect it is good to have a very strong peak age generation to have the experienced ones and you have the third generation which is in the tournament to learn and uh, luckily our head coach is a, is a fan of young players and he's always very very uh, brave to bring them um, so the idea is always to give two three players the the chance to gain experience and to learn maybe not playing at all but uh, getting the experience and learn from the tournament aspect because the year after or maybe two years after the next tournament they could be a regular starter or they could be a player which we're getting much more time on the pitch and that is of course is a way of strategy but uh, if they were not good enough we would not we would not select them so that is uh, probably um, probably the the uh, the answer that is it's, it's both things but uh, but of course there is a cause there is again a long-term strategy behind it once the tournament starts um, can you go into some detail about what what do the players actually um, actually get what what's in an opposition uh, report what's in what's in the analysis of how what, how much analysis you do with the actual players themselves about how you want them to play um, do you do you film training during the tournament to give them to give them insights? What what happens at um, at either a you know a, a qualifier or a or a tournament to with, with the players themselves? What's the um, what what what's your role and how are your staff um, used? Yeah, yeah but uh, I think I, I won't I won't uh, tell all the secrets now because I'm pretty much <laughs> sure that uh, some <laughs> some UK uh, managers will listen. No 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 no, just kidding. But uh, basically, it's um, I think. Uh, it, it, it's, it's it's pretty obvious that uh, that uh, 
when working, when, when putting your own performance into focus of your development, you have to work on what you can control most. And what you can control most is training sessions. So actually, for us, is uh, training is the, is the elementary part of our development. And of course, we analyze every training. We give feedback to the players. And one big thing which we really, which we really putting into the, into the center of our work is the uh, the the, the self responsibility of the players. Which we have, we are using technology with our partners, which uh, enable the player to to um, get the informations on their own which they need and probably uh, also get the right information in the right format to them so um, we will we will have during the tournament we will have just rather rather less uh, team meetings and sessions than uh, than comparably to in the beginning of a tournament or especially in the training camp before because then you have to put in things into place and you have to prepare things but especially when the tournament has started, it's only very few information which they really get and which is much more based on that they have to collect it on their own, especially when it comes to the opponents and when it comes to their direct opponent on the pitch, they have to collect the, the, the information on their own because we just provide them on the technology platforms we are using and then they have to be responsible for this, uh, for this information uh, collection on their own. And that's where, where the player is taking responsibility. Because we also want to have him being responsible on the pitch for for his action, um, but when it comes especially to 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 where we have the biggest influence on the performance is actually the training, and that is something where we have a very intensive debriefing after every training session during the tournament, which means that we are very much working on that, because uh, if we if we know what we want to do, then we can adjust it to the next opponent. And uh, analyzing next opponent is also something which we um, which we're doing very shortly, but very detailed wise, uh, because we we have uh, the the scouting team in Cologne, which helps us to uh, to select the most important information for that. I'm sure Gareth Southgate will be hanging on to your every word um, after that answer. Uh, so <laughs> to take this into um, into our realm. Uh, a little bit more. I want to ask about your contacts with football data analytics. Um, how much it's used in your work, if at all. Uh, what you've seen of it. What you like. What you don't like. Uh, well, actually, I, I grew up with with data and with analytics. So, uh, well, which probably I forgot to to explain in the beginning is that uh, my my with the company was was now it's called Stats, but it was Prozone. It was Amisco in the past. And I was a sporting director for the for the German area, so uh, I, w- I was used to work with data and with uh, with all the tools from the beginning of my career, and uh, especially in the beginning, it was there were a lot of people who were not really understanding what is the possibilities and the chances in it. Uh, what I think now is that uh, the whole discussion about analytics and about data. Uh, and especially when we think about big data, has become a bit more um, a bit more popular. But also, I would say it keeps much more on the surface now. So um, for us, everything which is related to to the to, to the basic data which you which you see everywhere now in every football chat room and uh, any TV station, any newspapers about how many duels, how many how many successful passes, final third entries is something which is nice to have because because it gives a tendency, but it won't really reflect the the, the success or the playing idea. And that is something where we where where we just um, 
working much more on creating new KPIs and uh, and and working on the on the on the challenge to um, to um, help the 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 game to to let people understand it much better with the right information and with the right data setup. And uh, for the moment, I would say we, we have all the information because you have XYZ data, we have all the raw data, we can use it, but uh, probably we don't have the the, 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 the the mathematical models to really explain why a game or why a match was successful or not. Uh, a very short example is, for example, in, 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 uh, in eight, now in seven of eight stats, key stats, um, at the semi-final 2014, Brazil was much better than us. The only key performance indicator was a goal difference, where Brazil was a, a bit worse than us in that match. And uh, and uh, but if you just look on ball possession, on final third entries, and one duels, on successful passes, Brazil was a better team. But in the end, they lost 7-1. And that is probably something where you really have to take be be at least very sensitive in using the right data and asking the right questions. But if you ask the wrong questions, you get the wrong answers. And that is the bit where I see where, where data is could be helpful, but I think we have to get much more into detail to find out the right key performance indicators and to, to use the data in the right aspect to really help the players. Because it won't help any player to say uh, or to tell him that he run a bit faster, he run a bit more, or he even had uh, more successful passes. Uh, it's all about the the right context and finding the right combination of information that helps him to really understand his performance better. So, what is that combination of information? What are those KPIs? Uh, what are those questions that you want answered? For example, for us, one of the biggest challenges. Well, I think I've read one question already, uh, which is about the packing information, uh, <laughs> which is which is of course because Stefan Reinhardt. Uh, uh, was having a was having a, a company here in Germany, and I think the the the, the packing index is something which really is uh, is a bit fancy for the moment, which we also think is is an interesting KPI, which has which gives a better inference and which gives a better a better understanding on success in the game, and which has I think it has a correlation of about eighty percent for for game success, which is which is tremendous I would say. Um, but you also have to put it into the right into the right uh, context of who player has control over the pitch in which area and in which context. And for us, for example, the the control of the pitch in which area is the most exciting thing because um, you can judge if the if the pass goes through and if the player is getting the ball. Um, this is something which statistically is very easy to 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 collect and to figure out. But the question is, does the player has the right um, control over the space? Does he has a right? Uh, did the team have the right constellation on the pitch in in terms of ball uh, ball constellation or ball uh, positioning and player positioning, which enables them to have the control in the game uh, or have the control of the spaces? And this is, for example, this in combination with the uh, with the packing index is something which is quite exciting. But then. You have to get the eye tracking because you have to see where the player is uh, moving. You have the direction of the player. You have to get the max speed. So you have to combine certain things, which uh, which could be very exciting to get them all together. If you just transfer it and give it just unfiltered to a coach, the coach will understand nothing because you just say, oh, this is too much information for me. 
But the final information could be in the end, and that is where, where, where our role is, that in this constellation we have 90% space control, which enables us, if we are doing the good passing, to get into the final third area with the, with the easiest or with the biggest chance to score. Uh, I think uh, the, the, the index of, for example, of, uh, of expected goals is something which goes also in this, in this, uh, in this direction. But um, in the end, in football, everything is about the control of spaces. And that is something which, uh, if you think about neural networks, if you, if you think about all these aspects, the X, Y, Z data delivers you the right data, but we can't really execute them in the way that we 100% understand, do we have control over the space or not? And that is something which is some, which is really a thing which we work in together with the sports school in Cologne, which other institutes to, to, to get more into detail. Because if we stay on the surface and just think about how much a player has run or how much passes he has, we will probably fail to give him a right or correct feedback to make him better. Because this is for him is nice to have, but it's not really helps him to understand his performance better. All right. So let's, uh, let's talk about the sports university in Cologne. Um, a lot of it will be secret, so, so I don't want to probe too much. Uh, but how is it implemented by the German FA? What is implemented uh, by the German FA? It, it sounds like a lot of what you're talking about um, is uh, a lot of those questions are quite advanced questions that if you wanted to approach them from a data angle, uh, you'd need to ask tracking data, um, which, sure. which, which not a lot of people seem to be using uh, that effectively right now. Uh, yeah. So, so, so could you talk about your relationship with Cologne and what you're doing with them? Now, the, the history of the Cologne department was more or less a, a, a data collection group. It was a group of students which helped us to collect every possible data of our opponents. As we said, we started in 2005, I guess, or 2006, before the World Cup with the, with the team Cologne and with the, with the collaboration with the sports school in Cologne uh, because we just needed more human resources or manpower to to uh, to get through all the teams and actually we started with i think about 40 students who who just um had experts from uh, native speakers from uk from costa rica people who studied in cologne because it's the biggest sports school in uh, in germany and um, we just go through every newspaper try to analyze the team understand the mentality of the team understand also the cultural aspect of the teams uh, and so to to summarize the biggest um, information or the, the most important information for us to, to really break it down for the coaching staff to have one sentence for each team more or less that was the where it started but now it really has it has grown up because now it's uh, it, the, the the complete aspect of having an educational aspect in developing and uh, and uh, educating new analysts for the German market is also part of this because we are not um, uh, developing or we are not educating uh, 40 students now uh, who helps us to, to, to be more efficient or to have a to higher, higher workload in analyzing matches but uh, also uh, implementing scientific approaches or helping if we if they just finish with with their with their work in the FA uh, helping other teams or getting into the the Bundesliga clubs to uh, help them to structure their departments and that is more or less uh, which is the biggest challenge for us is uh, on the one hand to get innovative information into our structure but also help the German football to get uh, get well-educated people, analysts, 
to uh, to to help them to structure um, the departments into inside the inside the clubs, um, and so especially when it comes to to scientific approaches, um, the, the sports group alone is a, a very important counterpart for us to uh, also bring us in touch with the right people and help us to go through, I would say, scientific approaches or scientific. Uh, ideas which we which we probably uh, have to have to um, yeah prove if they help us in the future, and that's where we where we need uh, um, a, a couple of people which are very or very intensively uh, educated and uh, implemented into our way of thinking, and that leads into the end leads uh, to that that. The, the whole amount of opposition scouting or opposition analyzers is getting is getting uh, less important but to find out the the, the the next the next development in 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 world football or to to help us to um, to strengthen and sharp our our um, our football philosophy that's where we really use the ideas of the sports school in Cologne to what extent are these German clubs that are taking uh, students from the University of Cologne, uh, to what extent are they using analytics, if at all? Um, what are they implementing from the scientific method, as it were, um, at their clubs? I, I understand it's a bit more difficult to do at an international level because you don't have so many games, etc. Uh, but it's a bit more simple at club level, so, so I'm interested there. No, but, but uh, what, is, what is definitely the way is uh, about teaching methods. Or, for example, uh, the, the the competence to to uh, explain scientific approaches or transfer scientific approaches into the into the coaching world, because yeah. uh, especially the scientific aspect of coaching has become more and more important, and uh, the coaching staffs understand that uh, it's not it's not a one show uh, one man show anymore. So, uh, for example, we are when it comes to the to the to the inner circle of football development inside the national team, we are seven people just inside the inside the football development and the technical development. Um, and it's without physiotherapists, without athletic fitness coaches, uh, with uh, with uh, nutritionists, with a psychologist. It's just about the football development. And that is, for example, something where the where where the where the football clubs really understand that, for example, the role of the analyst is more the role of the assistant coach tactics or the assistant coach video analyzes, and not more about the video cutter. And that is something where they really implement these structures and also use the people because we had just made a research on uh, on the last people who uh, who left the first or the last two. Um, Decades or the last two uh, um, uh, seminars or, or um, years of, of the, the the student team, and I think about 80% just moved into professional football structures like FAs, like uh, like football clubs, like also journalists' um, organizations. Uh, so uh, I think this is a quite interesting, a quite interesting thing that this has also developed in the last years. That uh, this is also a reservoir of uh, of highly educated analysts, which are able to bring in the new methods into the into the organization with deal with football. I don't mean to uh, flare up German stereotypes about efficiency, <laughs> but, <laughs> but Germany sounds fantastic. 
<laughs> I wish we had that kind of uh, that kind of systematic education in this country. It's not about what because we 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 using it or we we now speaking uh, with some some people listening uh, from UK especially. But when we are when we are going to 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 UK and when we are doing also our researches in England. We see also that the, 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 the idea and the, the, the vision is very clear. And uh, for example, you have the Jermors University in Liverpool, which is doing a fantastic job in developing analysts. Um, but I can't really judge on that uh, why probably the, the next step into the clubs is a bit more difficult. I see, of course, that there is a, there's a bigger challenge from the, from the FA having a good partnership and a good communication with the clubs because i think this is a historically maybe is a is is a bit more separated than it is in germany but uh, probably this is something which we really which we really uh, focus on and which we really take care of uh, is is education and is a, a very tight link between the clubs and the fa because uh, there's a common goal which means uh, if we if we if we have no competition with our clubs If we are preparing them better or if we can give at least information to them and help them um, to, to work better, uh, then in the end it's good for us because we work on the same project and that's the player. Uh, I'm not sure if this is linked to the to the Cologne uh, Sports University program or whether this is separate. Uh, obviously, hopefully you can give us a, an explanation. But your partnership with, with SAP, how um, first of all, who, who are they? I understand they're a big analytics uh, company that, that, that you work with in terms of building uh, building software uh, apps. Is that right to use with the with the players and with the national team? Yeah, that's correct. SAP is uh, is uh, like Oracle, uh, which is I think the, the biggest competition to them. Uh, is uh, is is the biggest so is I think the biggest software company in Germany, which is uh, which is a key player when it comes to um, processes and and uh, developing technology for for making processes in organizations easier. And uh, there is a huge affinity from the from uh, the head of SAP Dietmar Hopp. Who is the was the owner of TSG Hoffenheim, and uh, and uh, is a is a is a sports I would say lunatic actually because he likes every sports and is supporting sports at all, and uh, there's a there's a very big understanding of uh, getting together if one of the biggest sports organizations in the world like the German FA and one of the biggest software companies uh, in the world like SAP which are just uh, 60 kilometers from each other uh, with their with their headquarters that they go together and SAP is a premium sponsor for the FA and so the which is which is a lucky situation for us we can go through a lot of a lot of uh, modern or innovative aspects on developing processes and developing technology which helps us to make our our work simpler and will help our make our work faster and maybe more efficient And um, especially when it comes to, to, to supporting the players, uh, technology sometimes has the has the the uh, the, the um, um, uh, I would say uh, there's a character of technology sometimes is that uh, that it prevents communication because you just get used with the technology and you just don't have the communication between each other. But what we really worked on with SAP is to use technology to strengthen communication and uh, that's a difference probably which we which we have from a, a club level to to a, to a federation level we have our players in a non tournament year about 80 to 19 days but we still stay in touch with them every day 
due to the technology and of course we are able to deliver them important contact and we can educate them even if they are not with us and I think this is something which SAP really helps us with and where we also have the link to the clubs again because the clubs are really interested to see what we are doing with them and if they can implement it in their structure. So we see us as well in a role that we are kind of test laboratory, laboratory for them and then we deliver it to the players, uh, to the to the teams and say, hey, this is something which you really can use because it helps you to make the work with your players better. And uh, so mainly the, the experience from the World Cup 2014 and the Euro 2016 was that the players are really like it because they are used to it. They are grown in this world, in this, uh, in this app and technology world. And for everybody in the team, the communication between not only the players and the coaching staff, but also over the whole team with, uh, with uh, this whole staff. And we are about 100 people when we are at the World, at the World Cup or the European Championship. Uh, the whole communication in the staff is much better than before. And I think this is probably the biggest uh, compliment which you can do on technology. Can you tell us a little bit about the, uh, the, the Penalty Insight app? Um, it's, it, yeah. it seems interesting to me. It's, it's almost the, um, uh, the, the next step on from Jens Lehmann taking a, a note out of his sock to, <laughs> to figure out where the next penalty was going. I assume the Penalty Insight app is kind of similar to that, except on you know with, yes. with, with better technology. But how much, also on top of that, how much would a goalkeeper like Manuel Neuer follow the data? or the, the information that the Penalty Insight app gives him compared to his instincts of, of seeing, a, you know, when he's facing that penalty, you know, making his own decision. How, how does that work? I was so sure that this question from UK was uh, was coming, so, uh, thinking about penalties against Germany. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's, that's absolutely. That's no, no, no. But um, actually, um, everything we're doing in analytics is not to have the final proof for saying it's yes or no or it's wrong or right. It's everything what we're doing is to raise the chances or limit the risk. That's what we're doing. And uh, the penalty app or the penalty insights is just exactly one part of it. It should give the, uh, our goalkeepers a kind of tendency and a kind of idea. And it should help them to be confident and understand what uh, what the general pattern could be, but uh, the human uh, the human intuition and the human um, I would say um, understanding or or feeling for a situation uh, has always to be a, a a very important part in the whole decision process. Um, so uh, to come back to to the to the original question is penalty the penalty insights app. Uh, or the penalty insights tool helps us, of course, to understand in certain pressure situations what a player will do. And uh, I can speak about this because um, even if a player will listen to it, he will not, on a psychological way, he will not be able to do the opposite thing if he's in a pressure situation because then he is in a pressure situation. And if it's a final penalty and a penalty shoot in a semi-final of a World Cup, he will probably do where, where he is most confident in. But if if the, the 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 same thing on the other side for a, for a goalkeeper um, for a goalkeeper is to understand the right the situation and to understand if the if the player is confident or if the player is not confident if he's insecure and if he's also following a strict pattern and that's probably where where Manuel Neuer is always interested in getting all the information 
but especially when it comes to the penalty shootout against Italy in the in the European Championship, of course, one penalty he saved from knowing where the penalty shot was going to. But uh, I think the other ones or the other two, uh, it was very much his own intuition and his own uh, feeling for the situation. And I think this is something which is also part of the game. We have to understand that uh, that uh, certain coincidences and certain very fast decision making uh, based on the situation is so important, especially for a goalkeeper. The good thing is you can make him calm and you can help him to be very confident, especially for the goalkeeper, if he has a if he has a kind of uh, I would say objective evidence or objective platform. And that's what we're doing with Penalty Insight. I really want to find out, um, you're part of the FIFA technical study group. Um, can you tell us what, what your role is on that and what, um, what, what the group does and, and what information you've managed to, to get from, from the, 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 the tournaments that you've been at and, and some of the research that that group does? Now, the, the FIFA technical study group is, uh, is, a, is a very exciting, it's the same with the UEFA as well, but the FIFA technical study group is, for the biggest tournaments, a kind of expert group. It's a combination of, um, of uh, sporting directors, head coaches, uh, analysts, which are um, responsible for analyzing the tournament and finding out the new tendencies and, uh, and also following the football development, um, which is, which is uh, very exciting. If you, if you see, for example, uh, uh, in certain areas where the football is developing or emerging maybe a bit faster than in other areas, um, because every tournament has, of course, its own history or its own uh, its own uh, uh, story to tell, and has a certain impact on what follows after. Who's um, who, who's who's on the who's on the group with you at the moment? Who's part of the group? Uh, well, it it is for every tournament. It's uh, it's pretty it's pretty uh, new because it's a pool of of people and. Uh, uh, for example, at the at the at the Olympics in Rio, we had uh, because it was a women's tournament and the men's tournament at the same time. We had uh, Sandy Olise, who was a former um, former head coach of Nigeria and a former player from Juventus Turin and from Borussia Dortmund. Exciting person who knows the African football uh, intensively. We had Carlos Alberto Pereira, the head coach, three times world champion with Brazil as coach, um, and now he was an expert there. We had. Uh, we had uh, Danny Riza, who was a World Cup uh, head coach of the under-17 Swiss national team in Nigeria in 2000, I think it was 2009. Uh, and then on the women's side, for example, we had Hope Powell, former national team coach of the of the England uh, women's team. Um, and uh, so you had a lot of experts, uh, Sylvie Bellivaux from Canada, um, and we had some experts from the sporting director side, some from the from uh, from the coaching side, some analysts, and it will be always um, always um, adjusted and and uh, and selected for each tournament once again. So I will be now in Tokyo for the Club World Cup, and, and actually I'm not 100% sure we will be with us, um, but uh, it will be expert from certain areas to have a good global exchange of where the football is going to. And um, for example, in the World Cup 2010 or in the uh, Confederation Cup, we had Gerard Houllier with us. Uh, I think Arsene Wenger was with us as well. So it's, uh, it's, it's very exciting because you can learn from the best and you have a good group of experts exchanging different ideas, which is exciting. And in the end, our role is to not only 
determine and to summarize a tournament, but also to document in the way that you can deliver it to different federations and to the people who are interested in getting the information. And so the obvious the obvious question would be uh, from from us is so what what did you guys determine was the was the the next trend where where is where is football going what's the, what's the future? Well, I think uh, this is uh, well. I think we could uh, we could then talk for the next hour probably. <laughs> uh, but uh, but basically, what you are seeing in 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 football is you you have you have two. I would say you have two um, ideas on football. The one is control over the game with ball possession. That's what you probably see with uh, Barcelona, with Bayern Munich, with Manchester City now. Uh, and the other one is is I would say reactive football. It's about it's about the the, the David and Goliath. Uh, I don't know if this term is correctly in, in English, but yeah. uh, it's 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 uh, it's the uh, the the small team against the big team, and which uh, which makes it uh, also exciting to see what are the what are the challenges. But I what I think and what is for us very important is, and when we think about it, and what we talked about, um, space control is you get less space on the pitch, but the question is. How can you use the 11 players you have in the right position to have the best way of uh, to create the most problems for the defending team? And it's all about positioning. It's all about space control. And I think um, in the end, uh, sooner or later, the goalkeeper will be more or less the 11th pitch player or the 11th field player, which has to participate into the game. And uh, and I think there, uh, how to use your eleven players in the best way in the right positions, that would be the biggest challenge. And I think the tendency is unfortunately is very much about one team is defending with all, and one team is trying to control the game. And if the team who controls the game has has probably not the best idea on the right positioning and right space control, they all will get a problem. Sooner or later, they will all get a problem, and the team was probably the weaker team. It will raise their chances. That's why you have these the wins of a smaller team, uh, winning by uh, winning by two counter attack, winning by a set piece or whatever. That is what we see in uh, where the small team, especially at the Euro, you have seen it, where teams like Wales or like Northern Ireland proceed to the second round. Impossible, I would say, a couple of years ago. But now they do because they have their strategy and they just do it very consequently. But I think this is where the football is going to. And uh, for the for the best teams in the world, it will be much more important and much more difficult to really have the perfect setup on the pitch. Christopher, thank you very much for the Wales shout out. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's... I think that's it as far as uh, mine and Jeremy's questions for you go. Um, I want to reiterate again that it, that it really is a pleasure to have you on here. Uh, do you have anything that we should plug? Do you have a Twitter account that you want us to, to promote at all? I'm, I'm very conservative German. I just use the phone <laughs> or the direct or the direct uh, direct communication. Uh, actually, Skype is one of my favorite uh, or, or the podcast, one of my favorite tools uh, to stay linked to all the people in the world uh, discussing about football. But I have no Twitter account, so sorry for that. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Hopefully, we'll manage to get you on Skype again. Uh, we will hopefully be having a, a Twitter Q&A with you uh, as the next podcast. But otherwise, from myself, from Christopher, and from Jeremy, we'll see you next time. Oh